She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it won't be taken away from her. Now, that story doesn't mean much until the scenario I just played out. Now you understand a little bit. Now you understand a little bit now as you start thinking about it. Well, wait a minute. If I was in that situation, would I be a Mary or would I be a Martha? Now, let me give you a little bit of background so we understand it. Apparently, what Jesus is doing is he's teaching. He's teaching his disciples. And at some point in this story... Martha comes in and says, hey, you guys are invited over to our house. Now, there's a lot of debate. Is it just Jesus who comes, or is it Jesus and the disciples? Um, I personally think it's Jesus and the disciples. I think it's the idea that, because when you look at the text before and after, Jesus is teaching before this, I think he goes to the house, continues to teach, and then he teaches after this. In fact, after this is the Lord's Prayer. So, there, there's this pattern that I think Jesus is really, he, he's, he's teaching and doing what he's always done, and Martha comes along and says, hey, you want to come over to our house? Now, uh, we're not sure, but probably Martha was the oldest, um, followed by Lazarus, followed by Mary. Um, and in that story, what you have is Martha is kind of the head of the house, inviting him over. If he is teaching... And if this is a typical disciple moment, she just invited 15 people over for lunch. So what happens, I believe, in in most of our scenarios, here's how we picture this. We picture this as they come to the house, and Martha goes to the kitchen and works like a maniac, and Mary just sits down at the feet of Jesus and listens. I don't think that's the way it played out. Um, Because of some things that are suggested or some things that are hinted in the text. It says, Mary um, opened her home. Oh, go back to it. No, no, no. Go go back. Go back. Uh, Lord, don't you care that my sister has what? Left me. So, I get the impression that Mary and Martha were working in the kitchen together to make the meal. And at some point, Martha got a little crazy. And Martha started saying, just like most of you, oh, we don't have dessert. Let's make dessert. Oh, let's get out the nice china. Oh, oh no, that's, that, that, that glass has got a spot on it. Let's wash those glasses before we put them out. Um, all of that kind of stuff. In other words, Martha was worried about making an impression. Martha is worried about making a great meal. Martha is worried about all of the stuff. And at some point, Mary goes, look, we got meat, we got potato, I'm done. I'm going to go sit and listen. And she leaves. Now, this passage, when we read it, we get the idea that it's like pitting somebody who works versus somebody who worships. It's not. This text is really about bringing the balance together. And in this story, what you have is you have Martha really becoming obsessed with this thing, of making sure that everything is right making sure that 
all of the stuff is out. How many of you got done with a family Christmas dinner where, here's the reality of it, you were more obsessed with all of the stuff that you really didn't enjoy the dinner? How many times do we see this play out? I can't tell you the number of brides that I marry that the day of the wedding, I talk with them a little bit before I say, how you doing? And this is the answer, this is the answer I get. 95% of the time, I can't wait till this thing's over. They are so tired of all the preparation, they just want it to be over. And it's like, now wait a minute. And I always pull them aside and I say, now wait a minute. You just need to take a breather here because this is supposed to be one of the greatest days of your life. And you know what? From this point on, no matter what happens, it doesn't matter. It's about you enjoying this day. So let's focus on you enjoying this day. And you see, what happened was Martha got all crazy here, and she started adding all of this stuff in. In fact, here's how crazy she gets. At some point, I get the impression that Jesus is teaching, and Mary is sitting at his feet. Now, that in and of itself is phenomenal. Here's why. In this culture, the only people that sat at a rabbi's feet were disciples. You know, it's kind of like, who gets front row seats at a concert? The VIPs. You know, and, and so Jesus here at, at, at his feet is Mary. By the way, you see Mary three times in Scripture, and every time, guess where she is? At his feet. And so you have Mary at his feet. Now, here's why that's significant, is that was a place for disciples at the foot of a rabbi. That was unheard of in this culture. Right? In fact, in 2nd century, we know that there is a famous woman who's the daughter of a famous rabbi. So her daddy is like a big, important rabbi. She marries another big, important rabbi. And now she's come from a family of rabbis. She's married to a big rabbi. And she starts saying things regarding explanations of the scriptures. And people reject her teachings. This is second century, by the way. And so it's kind of the idea of she would come in and say, well, I think the passage means this. And everybody would blow her off. And her husband would come in and say, I think the passage means this. And say word for word the exact same thing she just said. And you know what they'd go? Oh, that's wonderful. That was the culture of the time. So for Mary to be sitting at the feet of Jesus is, is significant. And she's sitting there soaking up everything she can soak up. And in that story, in that scenario, while Jesus is standing there teaching, while she's sitting there at his feet, for some reason, Martha interrupts. Now, it may have been Jesus is sitting there and goes, Hey, Martha, look. You know, come on, come on in here and be with the rest of us. At the very least, I don't think she did this, but she may have done this. She may have been looking over at Jesus, and Jesus made a comment, and Mary responded to it. And Martha is like, hey, Jesus, literally, here's what the text says. Don't you even care? So at some point, she may, Jesus may have said, hey, Martha, look, come on in here with the rest of us. No, don't you even care what's going on here? I'm doing all the work. And he looks at Jesus now while he's teaching and says, Tell my sister to help me. Oh, that went over so well. Jesus, look at me and condemn my sister. And what does Jesus do? What does he say? Martha, Martha. I think it was one of those Martha, Martha kind of comments. 
You are cumbered about with much stuff. Martha, you've added so much more to this than needs to be. Martha, all we needed was a snack. Throw some peanut butter and jelly on a sandwich. Come in here and sit down with the rest of us. Martha, you're making it a big deal. You've added so much stuff to this, Martha. Martha, your sister has done the needed thing. The one thing that's needful. Mary understood. Jesus had a short time there. This was a rare opportunity. She wanted to spend time with Jesus. She didn't want to spend all of her time in the kitchen doing all of her stuff. And he said, she's the one, Martha, who's got it figured out. Martha, you're adding too much stuff. Simplify it. It's not that complicated, honey. And he admonishes, instead of condemning Mary, he actually admonishes Mary. And says, look, she's doing a good thing here. You've just kind of missed the ball. Now, we're heading into a new year, and I think there are a ton of lessons in this passage for all of us. So I picked out, I picked out three. That's where we're going to go today. Here's the first one. The focus of this story is worship. You see, Martha was about the activity. Mary was about worship. Martha's idea was, i got to do a lot of stuff. Jesus is here. I want to impress him. I want to do a lot of stuff for him. I want to make this incredible meal. I want to bring out the good china. I want to bring out the nice thing. I want to make sure the, 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 the pots are, are that, that we serve everything, that it's in the pretty bowl versus the regular bowl. I want to make sure we got the nice napkins out. No, we're not going to use paper plates. We're going to use the fancy plates. No, we're going to do this. We're going to do it. So she starts adding all this stuff. She wanted to try. Here's the irony of this story. What did Martha, how did Martha start out? She did what? She invited Jesus to her house, right? And then you know what she does? She ignores him. She says, Jesus, come to my house. Welcome. I'm gone. I'm going to stay in the kitchen and work. And she ignores him the whole time. And Jesus has to actually point that out to her. She becomes so obsessed with getting everything right and all this thing that she missed the whole idea of worship. Listen. You know how easy that is to do in your Christian life? You know how easy it is to assume the Christian life is all about activity? And the more and some of you came out of backgrounds where it was a works-oriented salvation. So some of you, you've got to understand, that's in your DNA. So you've got to be careful with that. Where you think, the more you do, the more you can impress God. And you're missing it. It's about the relationship. It's about the worship. And God says, look, I don't need all the activity. I need your worship. I need you to really, really listen to me. I need you to spend time with my word. I need you to try to implement the things that I'm teaching you. It's not about coming to the end of a day and you've got this checklist where you've checked off 20 things that you've done for God. How many of us, when we do devotions or worship or whatever it is you want to call it, where you spend time in your Bible, how many of us does it become a routine where it's like, oh good, I've checked off that day. I didn't learn anything. You didn't appreciate anything. God didn't speak to your heart anything, but you got the day checked off. And God has become this giant to-do list. 
Okay, good. I've, I've checked off church for this week. Now, I can go live however I want. It's about worship. And that's one of the things you learn in the story. Mary gets it. She worships. And what I see so often in our lives is it's easy for it to become about activity. And folks, listen, when it does, we start to ignore the relationship. And some of you, that's what's happened in your families. You're spending all of your time in activity. I'm, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to make more money. I'm going to give my, my wife a nicer house. I'm going to give her a nicer car. I'm going to give it. And, and it's about all of the activity. And here's the thing. You still don't know your wife. You know, your wife would give up a lot of that stuff for you to just spend time with her. Ladies, your husband would give up a lot of that stuff to really spend and have a relationship. And Mary gets that. She's like, you know what? He's only going to be here a short time. He's in our house right now. I'm sitting down and listening and learning all I can. And Martha is trying to impress him. The irony. Here, like what one guy said. Martha is trying to feed Jesus, and Jesus is feeding everybody else. And Jesus really doesn't want food. He needs enough to keep going. That's about it. But Mary gets it. And so Mary makes it about worship. Listen, as you head into this new year, make it about worship, not about activity. Make it about really getting to know God this year. Really, really digging in and getting to know God in your spiritual life. I think a second lesson here is this. This is a story about priorities. What was Martha focused on? The meal. The meal. In fact, she comes to Jesus and says, look, I'm doing all this stuff. My sister's doing nothing but sitting at your feet and listening. Tell her to help me. Now, when I say that, does that sound kind of like egotistical and boastful to look at Jesus, the Son of God, and say, tell my sister to help me serve you? How many times do you and I come to our life, God, look, you know what I've done for you? I've done this, 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 and this. The least you can do is do this. God, I want you to do this. We're not careful. We'll go down the same path. We'll start telling God what he's supposed to do in our lives because of what we've been doing. And Mary, Mary gets, she loses this whole priority thing and she forgets to realize there is a God moment here. Jesus is sitting in her home. She's invited him into his home, her home. He's sitting there in her home. She has an opportunity to listen to him, to learn from him, to be with him. And where is she? Out in the kitchen. She doesn't recognize her priorities have gotten all messed up in the process. Listen, you know how easy that is to do this coming year? Where your priorities get all goofed up? Where you're just getting busier and busier and busier and busier and busier. How many of you feel like your life is running faster and faster and faster than it has ever run before? Well, let me ask you something. Whose fault is that? You go, well, you don't understand all the things that I have to do. No. You know what I think the real issue is? Priorities. You know what I think the real issue is? You haven't decided what you're going to say yes to. See... The key, the, one of the keys to priorities is if you know what you say yes to, it's easy to know what to say no to. I'll give you an example. I have set up in my life. We have a night. My wife and I get together. 
and, and bar a funeral or somebody in an emergency room or a major issue we can't get out of? You ask me to do something on a Friday night? Some of you have tried. What's my answer? Can't do it Friday. Can't do it Friday. Why? Because I've said yes to that's my night with my wife. We've got plans. We know what we're doing. And so it's easy for me to say no to you. Because I know what I've said yes to. I know what my priority is on Friday night. So it's easy for me. And some of you, here's what's happened. You have allowed, you allow everything else to put, think about it for a minute. If you're Satan in 2012, you know what you have to do to people to get them away from God? Keep them busy. Just give them one activity after another. Give me somebody who doesn't set priorities. Give me somebody who, who, who doesn't set goals, who doesn't know where they're going, and they'll say yes, and they'll get burned out, and they'll get overwhelmed, and they'll get all fried out on everything that's going on in their life, and they'll sit back and go, man, I'm not enjoying life at all. Well, it seems to me that if Jesus came to give you life, to give you life abundantly, that's not really what he came to give you. It's a life that, where you're, just, you're exhausted at the end of every single day. Where you can't remember the last time you came to the end of a day and said, man, this was a great day. Because it's all about activity. It, it, your priorities, you're letting everything else push your priority. You're letting the world set your agenda. You're letting the world push you into its mold. You're letting the world determine what you do. Instead of saying, wait a minute, God, what's my priority here? Mary got it. Mary walked in the house and went, okay, priority is we got to feed these people. Great. I made bread. I got sandwiches. Good. Throw a little olive oil on it. Fry it. Good. We're good. I'm going in to sit and listen. Because I'm not going to get this. She realized it was a God moment. Again, I want to make it practical. Yesterday, Saturday morning is my morning to kind of go over everything for Sunday and kind of focus in and get it zeroed down to exactly where I'm going and where I'm going. And da, da, da. So I'm getting ready to sit in my office, and I open my window. Uh, and normally I have my... I, I, personally, if I could live in a cave, I would. Okay? Light is something that my eyes get really sensitive to bright light. So if I could live in a cave... I would be as happy as can be. You could put me in an underground bunker, and I would be fine. Okay? My wife's like, you know, you live in a bat cave. I mean, because I do. I, I just, that's my thing. So, but the last week, I tried to open my window a little bit in my office so I can look out across the valley thing, and, so, and I opened my window yesterday. Now, those of you who were up to yesterday morning, you know what it looked like yesterday. I got, I got all my stuff, and I want to focus on church, and da 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 and I thought, you know what? You don't get this very often in Iowa. Three, four times a winter, that's about it. So I go out with my camera and start taking pictures. And I came back in, and then the sun came out, and it even got more sparkly outside. So I put all my winter stuff back on and went back out and took more pictures. And I, I really played around yesterday with the close-up thing. And so I really started zeroing in on some stuff and looking at it close-up. You know how incredible it was yesterday? You know that all those little ice things that you saw, if you look at them very, very close, those crystals are formed going all different kinds of ways. And depending on the wind and depending on how it is, one side of the plant looked one way and one side of the plant looked another way. And yesterday, it was a God moment thing. It was a worship thing. No, I didn't have my Bible. No, I wasn't going through a prayer list. No, it was a God moment yesterday. 
And it would have been easy for me to go, no, 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 I got my schedule, I got my to-do list, I got to get these six things done before the end of the day. And I thought, wait a minute, you're preaching on worship. Really? You're really going to spend time looking at a computer screen this morning? You know, put on all that. I mean, the first time I went out, I didn't take gloves. Uh, I went out to my hands were numb. I came back in and went, that's kind of a bad deal. So I went back out. This time I wore gloves the next time. And we got some great pictures. And it was just, it was incredible to really stop and say, and again, I got crazy. I mean, I was laying on the ground taking pictures. I was, you know, if somebody drove by, they're like, that is, look at that idiot, you know? You know what? I didn't care. I didn't care. It was a God thing yesterday. And you know what? I enjoyed every minute of it I could. You know why? Because I took my schedule, I took my to-do list, I pushed it aside and said, I'm not going to lose this moment. Let me ask you something. How many moments are you losing with your kids, with your spouse, with other people, because you want to get your to-do list done? Because you haven't said, my priority is relationships, not activity. My priority is, is spending time with people, not getting stuff done. And it's easy to fall into. Mary got stuff done, then she went and worshipped. And here's the last thing, short-term versus long-term. Martha is focused on short-term. I've got to get a great meal out. Mary's focused on long-term. He's not going to be here much longer. He's been talking about leaving. He's been talking about a cross. He's been talking about dying. Look, I'm going to take every moment I have while he's here and learn everything I can. I can't tell you the number of people that miss this idea of short-term versus long-term. And you spend all this time trying to provide for your family and do all these things for your family, and da-da-da, your kids grow up and they move away, and then you have time, but you don't have any relationship with them. You've missed out. You know the number of families that I deal with, that mom does the kid thing, dad does the work thing, mom and dad, all of a sudden the kids leave, and mom and dad come back together and they're looking at each other like two strangers in a house going, I don't even know who you are. Because for the last 20 years we've lived separate lives. And you know as well as I do, most of your friends. It's the second highest group that gets divorced right now. It's the second highest group. Why? Because you've got two strangers living in a house. Because everybody's going to say, and, and, and what happens is it gets all messed up. Instead of looking at long term, where do I want to be long term? Where do I want to be? What, what do I need to do? How do I need to get there? And Mary got Mary looked at it and said, man, I want to spend time with him. I've got that opportunity. I'm going to spend time with him. H.A. Ironside tells a story about a father and a husband who he had a daughter, and him and his wife had a daughter, and his wife passed away. And he tells the story of the, 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 the dad started coming home every day from work and spending the rest of the evening with the daughter. And every day he would come home, and it became the highlight of his day. He had lost his wife, the highlight of his day. So as soon as, as soon as work was over, he rushed home to spend time with his daughter. So they'd make supper, and then they would sit, and they would talk, and they'd spend the evenings together. And it was the highlight. He looked forward to it every single day. And one night after supper, his daughter looked at him and said, Dad, if it's okay with you, I need to go to my bedroom for a little bit. i got some stuff I need to get done. And he said, that's okay, honey. So she goes off to her bedroom, closes the door. He wanted to respect her privacy, so he just sat alone in the living room and passed the time. And the next night, she came home. They had dinner together, and she said, Dad, I need to go. I've still got stuff in my bedroom. I've got to get done. So 
I'm just going to go in there and work. And, and, and he said, well, well I'm, okay. And this went on day after day after day. Finally, a couple of weeks had passed. And uh, he had sat alone in that room, wondering what she was doing, wanting to spend time with her, but she was busy. Christmas morning came. She came rushing into his room and said, Dad, 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 it's Christmas Day. I want to show you what I have for you. He unwraps a present, and in that present is a set of stockings, of, of slippers that she has been crocheting. And she said, Dad, she said, Dad, this is why I've been in my room. Every night I would run in there and learn how to crochet. And I'd try to learn how to crochet, and so I wanted to do this for you. And dad, her dad looked at him and he said, Honey, he said, they're beautiful. He said, they're beautiful. He said, and I, I, I appreciate it. He said, but just so you know in the future, if I have to have a choice between a pair of slippers and spending time with you every night, I would have chosen the time, as beautiful as these are. He said, that's the greatest gift you give me. And I wonder sometimes if God in heaven is not the same way. If we like spend our entire life making him a pair of slippers, thinking we're going to impress him, when the reality is, he just wants time with us. But it's easy for us to lose sight of long-term versus short-term. It's easy for us to lose sight of priorities. It's easy for us, before we know it, we're so caught up in it that we're just doing a lot of activity and we're really not worshiping. We're not getting close to God. We're not getting really close to our kids. Oh, yeah, we're at our kids' games, and we're hauling them back and forth and everywhere else. But the reality of it is we're really not close to our kids. We're just involved. we just got a lot of activity with our kids. And so when our kids go through a crisis, they don't talk to us. Why? Because we're kind of like their chauffeur. Or we're, 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 you know, yeah, they know that we're going to be there for their games and all that kind of thing, but as far as a relationship where we could really talk, because most of us, if we were to be honest, we're not grown up. We did not ra- we're not raised in homes where that was the way things were. Let's not make the same mistake. Let's develop those kinds of relationships. Let's really look at the story of Mary and Martha and go, you know what? There's some things I can learn. And sit down and say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to change some things long term. I'm going to start looking at things long term, not short term. I'm going to start being honest about what my priorities are. I'm really going to look at whether or not I'm more involved in activity with God or worship. And let God draw us close this year. So here's my prayer for you. My prayer very simply is this year, may you sit down and really embrace the idea of worshiping God this year. Of really, really developing a relationship with Him where you get to know Him and understand Him better. And secondly, that you would be honest about what your priorities are and you'd, be, you'd really look at them and say, you know what, I need to change this. What are your priorities for your health? What are your priorities for your finances? What are your priorities for your spouse if you're married? For your children, what are your priorities? What are your priorities for your grandkids? What are your priorities for your job? Really sit down and take a hard evaluation of your life and say, you know what, I need to think about this stuff. And then, when you're sitting down and looking at all that, then make some long-term choices. Because it's easy. If you're not careful, 
this world will suck you in, and before you know it, you will be, the old analogy, if you've ever seen a dog chase its tail. And what do you do? You sit back and laugh because you know. Even when it gets it, it's not going to know what to do with it. And I think some of us are like that. We're running around with so much activity. Even when we get it all done, we still don't know what to do. Because we're so used to activity. And for some of you, here's a great challenge for some of you. Some of you really don't know how to relax. It's a foreign concept. There's a reason God set up the world to say, six days you work, the seventh day you worship and unplug. You know, if God, as God, took off one day to just sit back and enjoy the creation, pretty egotistical thing I can go seven days in a row and not need that. Learn some of these things. Man, it's so important. And like I say, let's not make the mistakes Mary and Martha, or Martha made. Mary got it. She figured it out. So, back to my illustration when we started. What would you do, Pastor? Now that I've preached this, here's what I would do. I would stay here in fellowship and worship just like I had planned. I would look at the guy and I would say, you're welcome to come over to our house. It's not going to be anything fancy. My wife would probably insist that we not eat on paper plates today. And in my house, here's what it means. It means instead of going to that cabinet, I go to that cabinet. No more effort. And we would get those plates out and we would serve him the same ham that we were planning on eating, and I would split one of the baked potatoes, and we would not add anything else to the meal, and we would sit down and eat, and when we're done, we will leave the table right there, we'll go into the living room, we'll spend as much time as we can spend, and then when he leaves, we'll mess with the rest of it. And he will not walk out of my house going, that was the best meal I've ever had. He will not walk out of the house going, that's the, most, that's the coolest silverware I've ever seen. All those plates were so awesome. But he will walk out of my house and I will have learned because I was able to get to know him to be able to better pray for him in his ministry. That's what I would have done after learning the story of Mary and Martha. Until today, that's not the way I would have done it. I would look at my wife and said, so-and-so's coming over, you go home real quick. Get this done, get this done, get this done, get this done, add this. Uh, call Josh, see if he can come out and pick up this. Da, 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 da. That's what I want to But I'm going to try to live this way this year differently and focusing on the worship and the priorities and the long-term stuff and let God use it. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for the passage. Thanks for the story. God, we can either just listen to it and go on the same or we can listen to it and change. And Lord, every one of us in here needs to change something. You've given us a new year, a new opportunity, so help us to do that. Lord, we want to apply it. We want to be doers and not just hearers, so help us to do that this week. And may you be honored and glorified. And at the end of this week, seven days from now, as we gather together, can each of us come in here and say we're closer to you today than we were seven days ago. These things we ask in your name.